0: Hey, my name is Akash Dakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're gonna interview everyone from plug-in makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Nuno Fonseca, who's the founder of the company SoundParticles. Sound Particles started off their journey by making a piece of software called, well, Sound Particles, which allows anyone to create immersive 3D audio by using a unique system of placing virtual microphones in a simulated space. Since their founding, SoundParticles has gone on to be used in countless movies, TV shows, and video games such as Oppenheimer, Assassin's Creed Origins, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, and many others. In this episode, we talk about how Nuno got started in the world of creating audio software, what it was like promoting sound particles at the beginning of his career, what he believes the future of audio is, and much more. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Nuno Fonseca. So my first question for you is where that basic interest in engineering and audio kind of started? Because most people go one route or the other, right? They do music, that's it. Or they go, you know, engineering, that's it. They don't mix the two worlds. So how did that start?
1: I don't know, I always had this passion for both technology and engineering, at the same time music and sound. And I even recall being at high school and doing one of those tests to see what would be the best career for you. And I got the exact same score for engineering and for music. So from that moment when it was time to go to the college, at that time there was no audio related degree in Portugal. So I went to engineering, but I always have this passion for both worlds.
0: Yeah. And when you were at school, you took all the audio classes that you could on composition and acoustics and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So I was taking electronics engineering. Um, there are some elective courses like uh, Magnetic recording, acoustics, electroacoustics, digital processing, of course, I took all of them. And also at the same time, when I was at the engineering university, uh, I actually went to the music university and said, okay, I'm having this degree, so I cannot be signed in two degrees at the same time but (laughs) is there any way for me to attend some classes from a music composition and the director of the school said okay no problem as long you pay the the fees at that time it was like i don't know 100 or 200 a year (laughs) Uh, so it was peanuts and i said okay great so there was one year that i was yes on engineering university, taking engineer, but at the same time, attending orchestration and analysis and uh, composing classes. So it was uh, a blast. I
0: love that. But at this point, most people would think the story is you graduated and you started Sound Particles right away, but that's not how it went, right?
1: No, that's not the way. Actually, I graduated, then I returned to my uh, local At the time, I was offered a job in an IT company, working with computers and servers, those kinds of things. So pretty much, the side of technology was great because I could do very interesting things. But I was lacking this kind of audio contact and working with audio crazy projects. So at some point, I decided, no, I'm going to leave the IT company. I'm going to dedicate as being a university teacher. And that will allow me to do some crazy projects. At some point, more or less around 2001 or something, that's where I started to work with East West and creating the singing choir engine for them. So I also had time to write a book about sound engineering. And that finally, okay, I was teaching computer science, but I had the time for this audio-related projects, and then later on, I also was invited to start teaching also at one music university. So at some point, and during a few years, I was teaching computer science in one university and at the same time, music technology on another. So this duality always present on my life. But for me, it's great because sometimes people think, okay, now you should be an expert in this field or in that field. In my case, I think that I'm an expert in this frontier of these fields and this allows me to create bridges and understanding the needs but at the same time be able to create tools for those needs i think it's a fantastic way to do bridges between music and technology
0: mm-hmm. now everyone has a little voice in their head that says ah you can't do it this isn't going to work that's a silly idea did that ever come up for you while you were kind of thinking of sound particles or teaching
1: yeah, of course, there is always that voice saying, okay, now you are a guy in the middle of Portugal trying to create something. For instance, when I started creating sound particles, I knew that that kind of software would be great for big Hollywood productions. But, okay, what the chances of someone in the middle of Portugal creating something to be used in Hollywood studios, especially in big productions, but i think that sometimes in life we have to be a little naive or cocky depending on the (laughs) point of view so i decide no, i will continue and even if no one ever uses this is something that i was having fun creating that and experimenting with sound particles and doing things with it and i said okay there is a high chances that no one ever in the world will be able to use this but i don't care because it's fun to create it, and then actually we were lucky enough to having the Hollywood studios starting using sound particles. So that was it.
0: Mm-hmm. And can you do you remember what the very first prototype of sound particles was? That what you were showing to Skywalker and Pixar and all that sort of stuff, and how different it was back then.
1: So pretty much the idea came out probably 16 years ago, more or less. I also love cinema, and I was. Seeing all these movies, and at some point I realized that the most interesting visual effects that they were creating was actually based on particle systems. The CGI technique where you create thousands of points to recreate explosions and desert storms and fairy dust, those kinds of things. And I thought, okay, wouldn't it be nice to do the same thing with sound? And they have these thousands of small sounds that, all together around me, would create these fantastic soundscapes. But at the time, it was just a silly idea like so many that we have in life. And then in 2001, I had finished my PhD on a different topic and still no one was using particle systems. So I started creating the prototype. And when I went to Skywalker, and actually that was my first presentation to someone regarding sound particles. It was a prototype, but pretty much the main things of sound particles were already there. So pretty much what I had to show Pretty much everything were there, the particle systems, the virtual microphones. I would say that probably 85% of the features of the current version of Sound particles were already there on that initial prototype when I start talking with them. Of course, it was a prototype, so a lot of bugs at the time and those things, but pretty much the, most of the features were already there to be able to show them to
0: other people. Mm. And you had this initial momentum, you showed it off at these big studios. How did you keep that momentum going so you could keep developing? Because I'm sure you had to think of new ideas really quickly and iterate and all that.
1: Yeah, I think that I was very lucky because I was going to LA to a a IES convention. But before going there, I sent emails to five or six people in the industry, people that didn't know me at all. And I was lucky that the first reply that I got was from Skywalker saying, okay, come here. That seems interesting. If you have the chance, come here to Skywalker Ranch and do a presentation for the sound design team. And then after that moment, when I was talking with other studios, pretty much they didn't tell this, but it was clear that it was something like, okay, if this is interesting for Skywalker, we also want to know about. So pretty much all the other studios say, okay, yeah, also come here. We are curious to know more about this so that the momentum continues and then the other interesting thing about sound particles is that sound particles of course can be used in multiple ways it could be a restaurant scene or it could be some woods a soundscape in the middle of the woods but where the software really shines is those epic battles and epic scenes which means that the bigger the production the bigger the value that some particles brings to the sound design team for those highly complex sound design contents and that means that right from the start we started having fantastic top hollywood movies using like batman with superman and those kinds of things that of course elevate the idea that people as of the software because okay it's not a regular movie using this, it's blockbusters and that really helped the traction and to allow people to continue to wanting to explore and wanting to use and then it's like a, a snowball that continues to roll and you get more blockbusters and more people interesting and that of course helps the
0: process mm-hmm. now from there as that snowball was rolling what was it like to kind of grow your team because i'm sure that time, it was just you for a long time. And then how did you decide, oh, I need more developers. I need people to market for me. How did that start?
1: Yeah, because at that time, the first version of the software was released in 2015 through Mac App Store. Okay, I was a university professor. I didn't want to worry about payments and invoices. So something like Apple would do great for that. But then I said, okay, now if you want to go to... The next step and get more people. Actually, one of the first persons that I hired was something for the QA for testing the software because that would allow me to spend less time testing the software and be able to focus more on development, having another person testing. Then I hired an additional developer, and it was a small team like this for two, three years, more or less, but then I decided no. If you really want to make this uh, a very good software and uh, to be able to reach the kind of things that I wanted to do, I would need to hire more people. So at some point I was able to get some investors and then hire more people, people from more developers, more people working with audio to testing and customer support, and also more people for the marketing and sales because otherwise if you don't get sales you end up not being able to pay all of these salaries so at some point we increased the team and now currently we are 25 more or less one person in la another in london and then most of the team here in portugal but it's a fantastic team five phds a lot of former university professors and very bright people to help doing the kind of things that we do
0: Now, being based in Portugal, that's not known as a big film hub or audio hub or anything like that. So has that been any sort of struggle or has it been fine considering we have the internet and everything is so global now?
1: I usually tell that the ecosystem is so hostile in Portugal that you either work directly to the rest of the world or it's difficult. For instance, if I were in Germany or in France or UK, I will probably start working nationally with national studios and other things being in portugal where pretty much we have a almost non-existence movie uh, industry that means that okay if i want to do something i need to go directly talking with the, the big studios so it's one of those problems but at the same time something that forces you to go to the extra mile because if you really want to do something There is no temptation or, oh, let's try to talk with this studio that is in Lisbon or in this place or that. No, pretty Mm. much if you want to do something, okay. And in the case of Sound Particle, especially that it's more focused for these epic productions, even more one reason for go directly to the big studios in the world.
0: Mm. And now you make way more than just sound particles. There's way more products than just that. Can you talk about how you start even thinking of these, how you start developing these, how you get feedback, that whole process?
1: Yeah. So we started with sound particles, that is our main software. is the name of the company. And then at some point we decided to make some additional plugins also most of the, all the software companies starting from scratch, they start creating plugins because okay, it's a much more smaller project. But at that time, the idea was, okay, now if I want to do something like some particles, doing the kind of things that we want to do, some particles as a plugin will not work because it's much more ambitious in terms of the kind of things, the resources that it needs. So we started as a standalone. Sound particles application but then at some point people started to say okay i really like the doppler sound of sound particles have you ever thought about having a plugin just to get the doppler so at that time we start okay let's do a plugin only for the doppler because everyone seems to like the sound of our doppler pretty much because we are tracking per sample the position of the sound so for instance, at forty-eight kilohertz of sample rate, we are tracking forty-eight thousand times per second the exact position, and that allow us to do very precise and detailed kind of, of sound. And once again, it's one of the advantages that we didn't start as a plugin, because if we had started as a plugin, we automatically start doing trade offs. Because okay, it's a plugin; it's to be in real time. When we create some particles, the idea was okay. I want to do crazy things even if they are not possible in real time, for instance. We have renders up to 1 million sound sources playing at the same time. That will be more or less the equivalent of a digital audio station with 1 million tracks playing at the same time. That, of course, we cannot do that in real time. <laughs> so we started with some particles and then we said, OK, let's do a Doppler. But then when we were creating Doppler, we said, OK, but if we want a Doppler, then we need to also take in consideration the equalization that as it changes through with distance. So we started putting that and doing, making sure, okay, some research, the science base on how does the sound reacts at this distance and that distance. So we put that on Doppler, but we really like the results. Okay, this should also be a plugin for you to simply dial the distance and be able to get this kind of equalization through time. So we created a plugin for that. But then, One of the areas that I always wanted to also work were mainly on the music. Okay, because I like special sound. I think that the music, it's a a very interesting area to also explore special sound as a new dimension of music. So at some point, just, okay, let's start creating also some plugins for music. So we start originally pretty much using a lot of code and a lot of ideas that we already have by sound particles so we initially create energy panner that the idea was to have a panner but controlled by the intensity of the sound almost like having a compressor not controlling volume but controlling panning so you are able as the sound starts to increase you start getting a different kind of panning and actually the idea was one day i was driving, after leaving the kids at school, I was listening to some music with drums and I thought, okay, wouldn't it be nice if the drums moving at the beat and you get a panning reacting to the beat of the sound? and So that was the main idea for Energy Paner. Then we said, okay, we are doing this for loudness why can't we do the same thing with frequency content? So we create Brightness Panner that pretty much uses the brightness or the pitch of the note to control panning. So it's a different way of panning things around. Also, at some point, one of the things that we have with special audio is that sometimes it's not very intuitive for people to pan things around because you use either joysticks or knobs or a mouse. And we thought, okay, let's use a phone and simply use the phone as a laser pointer to pen things in 3D. It's much more intuitive. You can do more crazy things and different crazy movements. And once again, it's actually something that I'm pretty sure that was the fact that many years ago, when I was teaching computer science, me and some of my colleagues created a book in Portuguese about iOS development. And one of the chapters that I wrote for the book was using motion sensors. So I knew pretty much how the iOS motion sensors would work. So we create that plugin that allows you to connect your phone to the plugin and then you pun simply like a laser pointer and the sound goes there. And then we say, okay, let's use the idea of doubling voices because pretty much it's the same goal that when we use Chorus and things like that. But let's do this at a different perspective. Yes, the goal is still the same. You get one violin and you end up with a string ensemble, you get a few voices and you get this choir. That idea was the same, but instead of using the typical DSP techniques, the idea was, okay, let's do something, considering that today we have much more computer power. So you start using particle systems with granular 3D. So we create density that allows you to create these crazy things. And then one other thing that we I've been wanting to do for a long time, but sometimes you need to be careful because although we are a startup, we cannot go to every single crazy idea that we have because otherwise we lose focus. But finally, we we were able to do the Sky 3D, that is a 3D synthesizer, because I have this passion for special audio and unfortunately during many years the only people in music that i was seeing using special it was people from contemporary music that is not my favorite kind of music <laughs> the idea was okay let's create something to allow musicians to play a note to get this instance special audio so that's what lead us to create the 3d synthesizer and these are some of the things that we have released over the, the
0: years it's amazing that you can do so much at once and kind of support all those pieces of software but the through line for all of this is it's all spatial it's all based around this and on your website you talk about how you believe 3d audio spatial audio is the future of where things are going and i want to hear why that is and why you think that is
1: okay so let me tell you a story I was around 15 more or less, and I went to see an orchestra for the first time. And it was a relatively small venue with good acoustics. And I remember being there, and then the orchestra starts to play. The beginning of the piece was only with strings, and you get this kind of strings, kind of immersive sound around you. Once again, the orchestra was in the front. Nonetheless, the kind of experience that you would get from The sound of it is that kind of experience that I knew that, okay, there is no stereo recording that could ever give me this kind of experience. And pretty much that was the seed for this passion for special audio. Once again, not with guitars playing in the back or things flying around, but a simple orchestra in front of you, but this kind of immersion that you get, especially there with the strings and all of those things. People that attended concerts with orchestras and sing string ensembles. they know what I'm talking about. I always had this passion for special. Yes, during a long time, like I mentioned, only contemporary music. Musicians were the only ones using special for music i did a few things with some of those composers as a technical director programming max and create these patches to create some special related uh, effects but i always have this thing and for me it's about this it's the world is special if you want to get this much better experience you need to have additional channels to explore that once again that doesn't mean that we put a guitar in the back or the vocalists flying around, okay? But even if you only use the surrounds and the ceiling speakers to put reflections of the reverbs, even that automatically increases the quality of your sound. And then, more recently, especially with Apple Music and this moving into Dolby Atmos for music and so on, it's great and, for instance, in here, this is our studio here at the office, 9.1.6. And okay, we come here and put some music playing on and it doesn't matter if it's Rocketman or the and Zimmer concert or something like that. But the kind of feeling that you get, it's much more interesting. And even sometimes something that I started to realize is that Sometimes people invited me, oh, come to my studio. And I, for instance, some time ago I went to this studio, it was a fine studio, 5.1. But I started missing things coming from above (laughs) you. There was too dry above me. So I said, okay, not even 5.1 already (laughs) satisfies my needs in terms of sound. So I always had this passion and said, no, I want this immersive experience, and since I have, once again, from that moment with that orchestra when I was young to nowadays, I feel that, okay, anything, if it is special, it's even better. For When we were creating the synthesizer, yes, sometimes we put the synthesizer in stereo and we say, okay, it's stereo, it's nice, but then we put back on immersive and, oh, it's much more satisfying. And, and also, it has to do a lot with, with our vision, because when people think about spatial, they think, okay, it's about using a 3D panel. Uh, so if it is about using a panner means that, okay, it's to be used by mixers, because the mixers are the ones that use the panel. So pretty much spatial audio, it's something only to be done by musicians. For us the idea now, it's special should be used by everyone. For instance, if I'm a musician or a producer, I should be able to use special audio and thinking automatically in special audio say, Okay, I want this. And some time ago I realized I was on an event and there was a producer there talking about at the time it was not even immersive because it was not a thing there, but at least in five point one and it was saying, okay, I have this song, the song starts with the vocal player, the female singer starts at the, at mono, at the center, okay? And then the piano enters and pretty much fills the left, right kind of things. And then the orchestra enters and fulfills everything around you. And by doing these kind of things, even in terms of music, okay, it's a new dimension that you can explore. And if you start thinking this, right from the beginning it's much more interesting than then when arrives to the mixer a mixer that in most situations don't feel even comfortable to do crazy things because the musicians or even the producer tell them came to her to say yeah go crazy do whatever you want now they will be more or less be conservatory in this kind of special kind of, of mix now Once again, bring things to musicians and producers, and to do that, we need to have tools for them to use because if it's only the 3D panning, panner that it's only be used by the mixer. So we create the plugins and then later on the virtual instruments to explore the, the 3D world.
0: Nice. And you mentioned, you know, you went to these studios that just have 5.1 and then you missed the 9.1.2 and nowadays we can get up to uh 22.2. It's pretty wild. But can you talk to the accessibility of more immersive audio because to get a better image you can just buy a new TV. You just plop it down and you're done. But for immersive audio, you know, it's a bigger setup involved. So can you talk to how to even get into that world and is it becoming more accessible to have these setups?
1: Yeah, I can tell you that, for instance, a long time ago, what I had in my home studio was 10 cheap speakers, the kind of speakers that you buy for $100 or something like that. Okay, I didn't have a lot of money to spend on the studio. Okay, but nonetheless, even with small speakers, I was able to say, okay, yes, I may have the main left and right as a better quality Speakers, but then no, I need more speakers. I don't have the budget. Okay, I will buy uh, much more cheaper speakers, but at least I'm able to get this experience. Yes, I have this audio interface, then outputs, then speakers. Great, let's do some things. And then sometimes one of the things that it's quite common is that either I have a perfect system or I cannot do it. And sometimes ago, I was talking with this world-class musician and he was telling me, you know, I have this room, but the room is very rectangular kind of room, so it's not very good. It's not the perfect dimensions for Dolby Atmos or any of those systems. But what do you think should I nonetheless put those things and I ask, okay what do you have there on your room? It's a stereo speaker? And said, yes. And I said, okay, let me tell you, that room is not perfect for stereo either. Nonetheless, it's not the reason for you to simply put a mono speaker. <laughs> yes, it's not the perfect stereo mixing room. You would not use that room to mix album in stereo. Okay? Nonetheless, you put the stereo there because it's, it's not perfect stereo as you're going to have in Every Road or some other but stupid... But It's still better than mono and the surrounds are immersive, it's the same thing. You go there and okay. You you may not have the perfect room, but even if you put Dolby Atmos or some other setup there, it's going to sound much better than a regular stereo. So sometimes people think, Oh no, I have to have the perfect thing, otherwise I'm going to stereo. Even in stereo that would not be a perfect thing and by that way of thinking, you, you no know, let's simply put a, a mono speaker there because it's not perfect for
0: stereo either. That makes sense. And now a lot of people I talk to who are in the sound design space, uh, especially when they're newer, they hear things like HRTF and first order ambisonics and all this, and they get really confused and kind of worried and scared. Can you talk to how people can start learning these terms and learning what these even are?
1: Yeah. So w- one of the things that we did, the add sound particles, precisely because we want to help people to embark in this journey to special audio. And of course there are some books available, but most of them with crazy mathematics that you need to be a PhD student or something to be able to understand. And what decide now? Let's do a very basic ebook called All You Need to Know about 3D Audio. A book that we have in our website and pretty much was based on some sessions that I have done at AES conventions. I did probably five or six of those sessions in multiple AES conventions, and it's okay bringing people into special and pretty much explaining okay, starting right from the start, understanding why stereo is 60 degrees, why we have a center speaker, why people use an LFE instead of using bases on the other. Channels only, and going there and say, okay, channel based audio, and then let's talk about objects. What are the concept of things? Then let's talk about ambisonics, and then let's talk about the binaural three D sound over headphones. And, and the idea is to give something very introduction way, okay? And sometimes I came from the academic world and when you are on the academic world unless you put these crazy equations people will not take you serious and you are always aware that people may not take you serious okay the idea here was the opposite talking about people that has a lot of experience in stereo they have ears much better than my own ears and detect things that my ears eventually may even not detect but they simply don't understand this and Once again, people from academia starts to be very technical, people from the industry sometimes also gets too much technical. And we thought, okay, it's important to bring, help these people doing this journey because as soon as they start to understand a little better what is ambisonics, what is binaural, understanding that pretty much all of these flavors in spatial formats. All of them has advantages and disadvantages. And sometimes people enter more a political kind of discussion regarding form. Oh, because this is commercial that is open. Or this is this and that. And sometimes we are it's almost like people talking about football clubs or, <laughs> or religious instead of talking about technical things. So the idea was, okay, let's talk about all of those things, advantages and disadvantages of every single one of those Format, and so if people want to know more about spatial of course i have a biased opinion but i would recommend something like our ebook because it's 30 or 40 pages easy to read without crazy formulas or something like that simply to help people to understand the basics it's almost like elementary school for a spatial audio
0: (laughs) Love it. And speaking of learning and getting into this stuff, I'm curious now what you're focused on learning and what you're trying to kind of get to, what the next mountain to climb is for you.
1: Okay. So the main problem that we have is that the entire indus- industry is moving to special audio, Okay, cinema, TV, video games, music, everything is moving to special audio. But we know that people don't have 12 speakers in their living room. And every day, more people rely on headphones. For instance, my daughter goes to the living room and instead of power up the TV to see a series, she goes to the iPad with headphones. And so we need more and more people are using headphones, which means that we need a solution for 3D sound over headphones, because otherwise, if you don't able to provide this in this way, it's going to be always a niche kind of things and on our case we will want everyone to embrace this. The problem is that there is no good solutions in terms of binaural 3D sound over earphone. It's a very tricky problem because everyone has different ears, so if I want to fool the brain thinking that the sound comes from this direction or that direction, I really need some personalization and that personalization even itself needs to be very well done because even i've tried several personalization products and things like that for binaural and still it's not there yet so at some point we said okay let's do our kind of creating our binaural technology actually that was not only because of this but at some point when we started really sound particles and being adopted a lot in movies, at some point also the studio started to use sound particles, the video game studios, to create these epic soundscapes. But pretty much is a were an offline tool where people would go there, create the, the crowds, the scenes, the soundscapes, and then export the audio and bring that into the video game. And at some point we said, Okay, wouldn't be nice if you could be using sound particles running on top of the video game. And we start creating, we have a, a team working on that to almost create a kind of sound particles running on top of the game. But one the thing that was clear after a few months is that the major issue that we have even with video games is to be able to give this 3D experience. The weakest link was the binaural. So we shifted that team to start working with binodal, because binodal it's a very tricky problem. This personalization involves computer vision, and I can tell you that even with professional 3D scanners scanning the here it's a nightmare. Okay, because you have all of these things over there that is very difficult to scan. So even the simple fact of scanning that is difficult. And then we would need to create something that, for instance, uses a phone to be able to do that. And um, so the Computer vision itself, it's different, difficult. Then we need to render and get this acoustic kind of simulation of that person. And let me tell you, it's physics and math in a level that even on college, when we had this advanced mathematics degrees, courses, we thought, okay, this I will never use this again in my life, but okay, now we did. <laughs> and then, of course, you need artificial intelligence and a lot of audio processing, a lot of cloud processing. So it's a very tricky problem. And also the problem itself, it's one of those multiple subproblems. And pretty much it's almost like a chain that is strong as the weakest link. So I may even have a fantastic HRTF personalization system if I don't have the other engines. For instance, if the computer vision that trying to scan my ears is not very good or if there is something that is not very good in terms of audio processing later on, it's a problem and the system, it's as strong as the weakest link. So that's one of the problems of binaural. We have been doing a lot of things in recent years. This year we're going to release our first prototype of the, the technology And because like I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of special audio as you've already seen. But for me, I probably have special ears but pretty much it's very rare for me to test a binaural system that, for instance, the center speaker is not above me. So pretty much if I have a sound Mm -hmm. moving around me, pretty much goes around me. And then on the front starts automatically to go higher instead of going to the front. So for me, I always had a lot of problems with binaural solutions that existed and we'd say, okay, Let's do this problem. Yes, more than 100 PhDs were done on this topic. But once again, this kind of naivety slash cocky kind of feeling. Say, okay, (laughs) let's give it a try. If you are able to succeed, great. If not, uh, that was a, a try. But yeah, we are moving forward. And now, especially... After these years of research, and the good thing is that since we have this kind of multidisciplinary kind of tooling now from multiple PhDs to the audio professionals that have fantastic ears and say, no, I'm detecting here a problem, blah, blah, blah. And then you go there and check, and that is actually a problem there. And then the experience that we have creating this audio software for Hollywood and all of those things that once again, with a a barrier that in terms of audio quality must be prestige. So that allows us to get this kind of multidisciplinary team to work on this. But I can tell you by far the most difficult problem that we ever encountered. Internally, we usually tell that, okay, we should try to get the cure for cancer because it's probably simpler to handle than this. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's quite tricky. But we are on the point that now on recent weeks, every single week, we are detecting improvements in terms of quality. We, one of the things that we did was to compare this with other solutions in the market, with other personalization solutions in the market, and we out- out-perform there them. Nonetheless, at the moment, one of the things that we also need to focus is on scalability, because in this kind of technology, I cannot uh, sell this and say, okay, let's do a personalization. And this is only 1,000 euros each person because it involves a lot of CPU in the cloud. No, it's, you need to make sure that you have a technology that if some company says, okay, I'm going to have 5 million users next week, does this support? And we need to support that. But yeah, it's by far the most complicated problem in the world. If you ask me like five years ago, what are the two things that I would never want to do in audio, I would tell you I never want to do a digital audio extension because it's too complex and I don't want to do a binaural because it's too complex. (laughs) At the moment we are Creating binaural and at the same time, transforming some particles into digital audio stations So pretty much the worst problems that I was saying that I never want to do that because <laughs> it's too much complicated to be fun, but actually it's what we have been doing. So yeah, we are always surprising ourselves with our choices, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that pushing forward in, in your field. And so when you were starting out, a question I like to ask everyone is at the beginning of your career, it could have been, you know, in 2001 when you were thinking about this or the first release, but when you were beginning, what was your idea of success and how has that changed over time? And what is your definition now?
1: I can tell you a few things. One of the things that when I was younger, I usually t- told friends that, okay, if I ever win the lottery, I will create another software company. Uh, So, so it's great that I didn't have to win the lottery to create an audio software company. Uh, The other thing is probably if you have asked me like 10 or 15 years ago, okay, I was as a professor, professional, career as a professional, and if you say, okay, what do you like to do, for instance, give a lecture? And I would say, okay, I would really give a lecture to Skywalker in Apple <laughs> and in Stanford. Okay, I will give you those as okay. If I sometime I were able to do a presentation at Skywalker, Apple in Stanford, okay, I will be happy person. And now we are already done that the three of them <laughs> so it's almost okay now you need to get new dreams because you are <laughs> doing the ones that you had in the past so now okay let's continue pushing the envelope and say okay what do you want to do now okay let's try to do this or for instance with movies uh, at some point we were okay of course creating software for hollywood studios okay Wouldn't it be nice if Star Wars used our software? And for many years, okay, (laughs) yeah, it was great if we could sometimes use, if the software was using Star Wars, and then at some point, okay, it's using Star Wars, and say, okay, yes. So now what's the next thing that Mm -hmm. you want? So, yeah, it's been a a very interesting journey uh, for someone that likes sound and music and technology and cinema and all of those things. So, yeah. It's very interesting to meet these top world-class professionals. And the interesting thing is, once again, I'm someone coming from Portugal, going to there, but the good things is that they are very fit on the ground, very nice, all of them able to say, okay, I come here, I would like. To give you 10 minutes of my time for you to explain me what is some particles and other things. So they were very good sharing their time with me, and that was great.
0: Amazing. So, as the last question for you, where can people find you? Website, social media, all of it.
1: Yeah, so our website, sunparticles.com. If you go to social media at sunparticles, you pretty much find us at YouTube, Facebook, Instagram all of the traditional uh, channels. So, feel free to come by, check our product website, talk with us. Even my email is there on the website, so it's easy for you to reach us And because we like to interact with people and get feedback from people. So, feel free to come by and let us know your opinion on things
0: amazing well thank you so much for taking the time today that was lovely
1: no it's always a pleasure to share with other things that we do at some particles and this again was a great pleasure awesome
0: that's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And considering I work in the world of video game music and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound B I Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects they'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound thanks so much and i'll see you next time and if you're looking for more audio related podcasts to listen to this podcast is actually a part of the audio podcast alliance featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.